0: Lou and Cheryl have taken a, a few days to rest and relax uh, out toward the coast, and so he asked me to fill in for him today, so I'm your third string player for the day. And um, a couple of you have asked about, uh, about my situation, and I, and I just quickly reported. I was talking to a few of you in the hall, I was talking to Bob a minute ago and Mark here, and uh, he said, How are you? how's your back doing? And I said, well, the doctor told me to ditch the brace. And uh, he tried to make a joke and he said, no more BLT for the next six months. And I said, no bacon, lettuce, and tomato? Uh, and he said, no, no bending, lifting, or twisting. <laughs> so I, I, he said, uh, you can pick up a gallon of milk and that's all for right now. But uh, praise the Lord, I'm on the mend. Um, I've had two months in the bed and in the house and I am bored crazy and ready to get back to work. <laughs> like actual real work. Um, so thank goodness. For that. Now that's actually, if you look at your uh, note page, we'll kind of start in that space and then we'll move to some announcements some prayer requests and then we'll pick up where we left off. Um, I've titled our talk today Three Trees and a Quiet Breeze. And this is not original to me. Uh, I have about five teaching pastors that I normally consume their content. Uh, my latest is Bodhi uh, Bacham. Chuck Swindoll from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s are one of mine. I love old, dead Adrian Rogers. And um, I have a few others that I've salted in. I I like a little John MacArthur here and there. So a lot of the pieces that we'll hear today are not mine. Of course, we're going to rely on Scripture. We're going to fall back to Genesis to where we're looking at. We're going to look at the nature of work. Um, I, I like what Charles described this morning about bringing your first fruits. Bringing your best to work. How many of you have been to work and not taken your first fruits seriously? Me, can I put my hand up in front of all of you? How many of you have complained about your work? To your spouse, to your kids, to your neighbors, to anybody who will listen. (laughs) Yeah, I have too. Uh, I'll tell you what the last eight weeks at my house have been. They haven't been a prison cell, but they have been a reflective moment. And I, I... Lou and I regularly ride to Bible study together. And I passed Jefferson Forest High School, where I work, oh, probably January or February. And he said, hey, it's your, it's your workplace. And I said, no, that's my prison cell. We laughed about it and talked a little bit. And I said, I can't wait till summertime. Well, you know, in March, or in April, I, I had that accident with the drunk driver. I got my back hit. Uh, Tore up five vertebrae. He walks away with no injuries, and I walk away with eight weeks of reflection. Can I tell you today, I can't wait to get back to Jefferson Morris High School. (laughs) Things have changed just a little bit, and and for the good, I I suppose. So the question is, why do we work? Why do we work? And if we'll look, we're going to fall back to Genesis for our discussion for today. Genesis 1 and 2 are going to be our jumping post, our space for discussion. And so I'm going to start this piece and we're going to, I want you to begin to reflect on work. We've been looking at modeling with Lou for the last <coughs> month or two, and we're going to continue that because modeling is important. What do our children see? What does our spouse see? What do our colleagues see? What do those who are under our supervision see? What do our crossline folks see? What do our neighbors and parents see in us, and how are we doing that? So let's look at Genesis one. Now, if you have your dead tree version, I have. I call it in my classroom. I call it the dead tree version versus the digital version. So I don't care which one you use. But if you have your uh, if you have your Bible, uh, we're, we're in Genesis one, and this is going to be. Uh, I think this is NLT, but I can't remember offhand. So God created mankind in his own image. You should know this one already. What? Image. In his own image. That makes me and you an image bearer. We are a mirror. We are supposed to be a reflector. And in his image, God created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the uh, and the birds in the sky and over the, every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, "I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it." I want to take you back up to number 28 and we're going to call that something. That is going to be we call verse 28 there. It has a name, specific name. It's called the Genesis Mandate. Now the first part of that's pretty easy for most of us to understand. We're not gonna go to family life class. For those of you who send your kids to public school, that's a curriculum where they teach them about sex, all right? So we're not gonna go to family life class to make this discussion. We know what this portion means. Be fruitful and multiply. Well, that's the fun part of marriage, right? is bringing kids into the world, or practicing bringing kids into the world. Alright? You can laugh there, that's a joke. Alright? So, but the second part, to subdue and to have dominion, that's going to be the topic of our talk today as we're working through this Genesis 1 and 2. So, when the end of this section falls into play, we're at the end of day 6, God saw everything that He had made. He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. Evening and morning of the sixth day. What was God doing at the end of this day? What was He doing, guys? He was starting to think about that, but what does it say He was doing? He was surveying day one through six, and what was He talking about? What was He self-reflecting on? He was saying... This is all good. My day one, my day two, my day three, my four, my five, my six. Man had been created. The beasts of the field, the birds of the air, it's all in place. Now he's going to set this entire thing in motion and he says that it is what? Good. Good. He says that it is good. And it's now time for him to come to a rest. So did God need to rest? No. Why did he? If he didn't need to rest, why did he rest? It's for our benefit. It was for us. It was a model. And that's what we've been talking about for the last, like I said, month or so. Follow me as I follow Christ. Well, we've got a model right here from Genesis 1 that we are supposed to work. We are the product of work. We are the product of creation. And so work is, you know, it's what we do. But it is it what we do seven days a week. 24 hours a day. If I said we burned the candle at both ends, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Put your hand in here and testify with me. You know what I'm talking about. Where you've taken on commitments that are way more than you need. Where you have put yourself out financially beyond the limits of your family situation. Where you've bought into the lie of what we have to have to survive and that's what we're going to look at today is our nature of, of, of work. Um, so when God has rested with this cultural mandate, uh, it's important for us to understand what that looks like. The be fruitful and multiply, we got it. Now we're going to look at what does it mean to subdue the earth. That subdue portion is the topic of our talk today. Um, In a moment, we're going to have some announcements. We'll have our regular prayer time. Um, Before we uh, actually begin, I'd like to ask Julie. Julie had asked to speak to us about some of our service projects that are upcoming. And so, uh, Julie, if you could come on up here. Be ready to scream because there's no microphone. And I think I forgot to open us up in prayer, so I'm going to do that. Would you bow with me real quick as Julie's getting ready to tell us some announcements? Lord, uh, my personal prayer out in the open in front of everybody is that these words would not be from Will Kirk or from wherever I have extracted them, but they would be from you teaching me first and teaching our friends next. That these would be words that come from Scripture and that you would bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, the last uh, several months, we've been just choosing different service projects. Unfortunately, we can't, haven't been able to put anything up on the screen today. But um, this coming for the coming three months, we're considering it our summer project. Uh, we know everyone has schedules that are kind of not normal in the summer. People are here and there. So I wanted to tell you about an opportunity um, that you all can kind of – Take part in kind of at your own on your own schedule. And I think it would be a great idea to maybe socialize, like maybe ask another family that you would like to serve with to maybe serve together. So our summer project is gonna be Parkview Community Mission. And it's actually my place of work. So fortunately for me, my place of employment is not a prison. I love what I do. I love working for Parkview Community Mission. Um <laughs> Uh, So Parkview used to be considered the best kept secret in Lynchburg, but it's not definitely not anymore We've gained a lot of momentum. We're a a 501c3 nonprofit serving um, uh, Hundreds of people weekly in downtown Lynchburg, not only in Lynchburg, but we also have outreaches in the counties Um, so just kind of a brief snippet and if i forget to mention it later please go to the website and i have um, little flyers to give each one of you that tells you a little bit about each of our six programs Parfew has six programs ranging from kind of our most well-known program is food for families which is a food pantry that's open twice a week and on this um, some of the little snippets of information actually say what the what the volunteer hours are Um, but please go to the website and you'll see more we have a link for each of the programs to what's called the volunteer hub so you'll have access to that you create an account and then you can see a whole calendar of events at Parkview Community Mission which is ways that you can interact with the community Um, some days are volunteer days where uh, folks from we call them our neighbors where our neighbors are not in the spaces either shopping for the food or in our clothing connection and then there's many other days where we're just preparing for those days so every day of the week there's something going on Um, but Food for Families lists their hours. I'm the director of the Food for uh, Thought program which is the backpack program of Parkview Community Mission and we serve about 500 students weekly, 500 children within Lynchburg mostly. Um, and we're packing food bags we're doing prep work during the week just getting that there's a lot of strategicness we're collaborating with the city schools community centers apartment complexes we're in like nine different apartment complexes right now and one of my biggest needs for this summer is volunteers to help deliver the food bags uh, to the apartment complexes and man a food station which is a great opportunity to interact with uh, just the the people in the neighborhoods that just need a good word of encouragement right now, you can ask them, hey, how can we pray for you? And it's just a great uh, opportunity. And we have a clothing connection. Um, I know many of you have asked about, oh, how can we uh, donate clothes, or when can we donate clothes? We recently opened a, a new space in the back side of Pittman Plaza, um, and it's a clothing connection where our neighbors come uh, twice twice a week to shop, and we also take in donations. But I could spend a long time just telling you about it. I just wanted to take a few minutes to just invite you to be a part of our summer project, which is Parkview Community Mission. And I also encourage you since uh, now the restrictions for um, the COVID-19 pandemic are off of our shoulders thankfully to maybe reach out to a family you haven't seen in a while or maybe you've seen them but from a distance and you'd love to just interact and chat and serving is a great way to build friendships to meet new people and that's kind of more kind of almost a self-centered But it's just a great way to grow spiritually. It's part of your spiritual journey. It's a great way to grow spiritually. And then as you interact with the community, that's just another opportunity that God brings you to just live out all that he's been teaching you. So um, if you have questions, please reach out to me. The website is on here. trying to think but we're gonna to try to highlight this at the beginning of each month it's just not a this is the only time I'm going to talk about it kind of thing we're gonna to try to bring it up and just keep it on the forefront of people's minds that this is a great opportunity for you to maybe get back out serving that in ways that maybe we haven't been able to do in a while so that's all I would say but I'll come around and just um, let me know if you'd like you like one you.
2: Thank you, Julie, and I apologize for not having announcements on slides this morning. With so I anyway, uh, announcements on slides this morning. Uh, we had, as Will mentioned, some technical issues, which mean, basically is that nothing works, So, or we don't know how to work it, but that's all right. Um, we, uh, generations and generations of believers gathered without technology, and they did fine and we'll do fine too. So I did, uh, thank you, Julie, for sharing that. I wanna encourage everybody to think about how you can give back a little bit this summer uh, to contribute in some way to the community. Also, I wanted to remind you, last week, we announced about a volunteer opportunity here at the church, uh, helping out the middle school and high school ministry, um, the uh, student ministry, Thomas Road students, and um, they had, Usually, they rely a lot on Liberty students for volunteers during the school year, and then in the summer they continue ministry But the Liberty students are mostly gone, and so they're asking some of us to step in and help with just logistics things like helping uh, with hospitality like welcoming and signing in people and uh, managing the parking and that kind of thing and um, also, um, some people who might be wanna, interested in engaging with activities with the students. And this is on Wednesday nights. Um, it's 6 to 9 p.m. And they will take volunteers every week from 6 to 9 or once in a while uh, for an hour or anything in between. So um, if you if you think that's something you'd like to, uh, to, to try or just give it a shot, see what kind of volunteer opportunities um, like then go to student uh, email student at and they will be glad to uh, give you uh, more information on that. Um, I'd also like to, to mention too especially this week um, since we don't have the announcements on the screen we throw out email addresses at you and websites but um, uh, Jennifer is kind enough to and diligent enough to send out a newsletter every week so make sure you're getting that email newsletter and if not, uh, make sure she has your current email address so that you can keep up with all the events that are happening here. Uh, I think that's all the announcements we have for today. So turn back over to who's doing prayer today? Budget. Gotcha. No verse. Oh, we have a verse. you Want to read it to you? Hebrews
0: one
2: one. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through
0: the prophets. Alright, so we we move back to that word, subdue. And we talk about the importance of our work. Um, Just, I'd like for you, I'm gonna sometimes default to my classroom tact. In our classrooms in K-12, we often call it elbow partners. That's code speak for those who are sitting beside you guys. So if I say, turn to an elbow partner and just make a quick comment, that's really what we're talking about there. Turn to an elbow partner real quick and tell them why we work. Just real quick, 10 seconds. Why do you work? Somebody beside you. All right. What are some of the reasons that we work? Is it just to provide for our families? Yes or no? no.
1: Just.
0: Not just. Is that an important piece, though? Yes. Certainly. Are there other reasons? Why do we make clothes the way we do? Why do we repair airplane parts the way we do? Why do we add and subtract numbers the way that we do?
2: We were physically designed
0: to work. All right? We were, we were physically made to work. We were a product of creation. To be a witness. be a witness to others. What else? Anything else out that you discussed? To glorify
1: God.
0: Glorify God. Mm -hmm. Enjoy what we do. For enjoyment. A lot of people, Bob, I appreciate you mentioning that. A lot of people remove this idea of pleasure. Who is the author of everything that's good? Is pleasure good? Can it be abused? Certainly it can. But everything that's good and perfect, we know where its sourcing is. And it is for our good. And we'll look at some more at that as this unfolds. Now, the foundation we talked about was that Genesis 1-2. Genesis 1 gives us, I'm going to call it the, um, Paul, since my son works for you, I've kind of worked in airplane motifs for a long time. Um, we're going to look at the 50,000-foot view. That's what Genesis 1 really is. And Genesis 2 dials in a little closer to the landing and gives us a portrait of what God did, why he did it, gives Adam's Adam's instructions, and tells them how to obey. So this cultural mandate in Genesis 1.28, where we talked about our purpose. What is work? What are we here for? You mentioned quite a few of them in your definitions of work a minute ago. We also have another mandate. What is our mandate from Matthew when we move to the New Testament? Called the what? Great Commission. I'm going to argue that both the Genesis mandate and the Great Commission put us on mission. They describe why we're here, our purpose, and our work. So what is work? Genesis 1:2, on the seventh day, God finished his We've started this a moment ago. He finished his work, and then he rested from all of his work. We mentioned before, he didn't have to rest, but he gave us that model because he was our author. He was our maker. He knew we would need that. So we're skipping into Genesis 2.15. The Lord God put the man in the garden to work it and to keep it. So work is not a result of the fall of man's original sin. That is not where it came from. What happened when man sinned? Well, God put a curse on the work. The curse became the toil of the work. Right. The labor that was involved. I'm going to argue it was more about our attitude toward work. We now resist working. I don't necessarily want to do that task or that task and so on. So I'd like for you again to turn to your elbow partner, 30 seconds, and I'd like for you to describe, now this doesn't matter whether you are a student or whether you are 94 years old, whether you get paid for your work or whether you are at home and you don't get paid. All right. I was very careful when I described to people in my world what you do. When men meet each other, what's the first thing we do after we say our name? Where do you work? Where do you work? What do you do? Well, I would say I'm a teacher. The next question was, what does your wife do? i say, well, she works harder than me. She works 24 hours a day at home. All right? So work is not necessarily about the paycheck. And it's not limited to age. I know we gave our own children tasking things to do as a kid that were expectations. That is their work. You were expected to make your bed. Did it get done all the time? You know as well as I do, it didn't. Does it get done today? Yeah, I walked into my daughter's room this morning, and her bed is beautiful. I didn't tell her to do it. It became her workflow, and she, she does it on her own. I'd like for you to turn to your neighbor, your elbow partner, real quick, regardless of their age or what they work at, and tell them two things. Number one, what is the favorite part of your work? And then, what is the least favorite part of your work? 30 seconds starts now. The favorite part of your work. Amen to that, Larry. Amen to that. (laughs) seconds all right time i'll just t- yeah i did cut you off a couple of you i heard i, I was listening as i do in my own classroom i Unfortunately, and those of you who are in the teaching profession, you'll know what I mean. You are forced to listen to seven or eight conversations at the same time. I could be talking to Larry, but I'm listening to what's going on right here and right here and over there. I can't help it. It's just natural. And I heard a few. Larry popped out one while I was reading here. And he said, the sense of accomplishment I get from, and I just stopped and said, amen to that. Because we don't get that often in in my world, the finished sense of accomplishment. (laughs) Um, I've taught in the sciences for 25 years going into 26 years my favorite thing in the world about my job is laboratory time absolutely love it even the same experiments that I've done for years I love getting those out because it's totally brand new for the kids that are in my room brand new and just watching the amazement of a light bulb light up or a chemical reaction take place or a, a physics construct that's explained they go oh is that yes that is the that is the absolute joy of job and then for me the least favorite unfortunately sometimes is talking to the people who send the kids to my classroom and explaining that they're not Albert Einstein and that they might need to work a little harder at the work that is not the favorite part of my job We all have the joys of our job and the drudgeries of our job. But the purpose here is to help us to recalibrate what that looks like. Refocusing it as unto the Lord, like Charles was talking about this morning. Uh, The difficulty we talked about is not necessarily in the toil of what we do. Whether it's pulling cables whether it's putting air in a tire, whether it's driving a a truck, whether it's preparing food or stuffing a backpack. doesn't matter what that is. All of those have toil that are associated, but it's our attitude about it. Did Jesus work? Did he? Certainly. I suspect that if he grew up as a carpenter, he learned how to handle all the tooling and the chisels and the and the hammers that went along with crafting and making a piece of wood functional and beautiful along the way. Um, does somebody have their their Bible open, or are they quickly able to access John nine verse four? Can somebody get that for us? John nine four. Doesn't matter what version. I
1: got it. Let's quickly carry out the tasks assigned us By the one
0: who sent me Because there is little time left Before the night falls And all work comes to an end All what comes to an end? All of our work He's not just describing the physical work That we do from day to day But the spiritual work that takes place Along the continuum of our life Another version says As long as it is still day We must do the works of him who sent me That's Jesus talking about himself God's no longer doing the work of creation. He already did that. What comes next? That redemption. Did He already do the redemption work? Yes. Yes. Who is that? Who is the redemption? That's Christ. What's God working on today? Building a home for us. New what? New heavens and new earth. Some of you might call that new Jerusalem. A.K.A. heaven. That is the next step that will unfold. So work, we were created to do. And how we unfold that is the topic of where we are. Have we bought into the lie? The American success story lie. Mm-hmm. What is the American success story? Tell me out loud, quick popcorn style. What does it mean to be successful? Got your own home? Got your own home? Got some cars. I can retire comfortably. I got a nice phone. I got two and a half kids. White picket fence. to get all those pieces. A nice vacation home, possibly, yeah. A place to call vacation. Some personal toys, absolutely. I'm going to argue that I've been hearing a lot in the media, and I can't tell you that I have not been subject to this myself. And that is not retirement, but early retirement. What's that mean? That means I've worked enough where I no longer have to work. 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 Alright? And I believe that we bought the lie. Is there a place in scripture where people retire? Is there? If you find it, let me know. I couldn't find it. Where retirement... Now, were there places where people transition to other parts of their work? Absolutely. It's a different kind of Work, and we're going to look at that as well. Actually, I, uh, being the fullest respecter of time, we won't get finished with this. And I do apologize, uh, but I'm following the lead of my own personal friend and pastor who never finishes a lesson. All right? I just want to remind you, you are quick to, to get out of the loop, going over. So. <laughs> Always, <laughs> and I have, uh, and I also apologize. Uh, and and we, were, we, we did not reach out in faith in this way. We were talking last night about how many pages to copy of this. And uh, Jennifer says, I'm eh, about 30. I said, how about 40? I said, let's split the difference and go 35. Well, looks like we need about twice that many. So if you're having to share off somebody else's plate, I apologize. Uh, but the notes are there for us to work on. Um, I believe that we have bought the wrong image, particularly as Americans... But God is the first worker And we work Because God created us to work What do you think we're going to be doing In the new heavens and the new earth We're going to be working I hope we're not just going to be sitting on a cloud somewhere Right Stringing our and not, Yeah I don't know what we'll be doing But we, are, we, we do know it is described as Work Will my work be different from yours Very likely Right? But we will be working in the new heavens and the new earth. Let me ask you this. In relationship to work, And we're talking about attitude. How many of you have hired somebody at your home before to do any kind of work that you couldn't do yourself? HVAC, electrical, plumbing, carpentry. And how many of you watched them like a hawk? Put your hand up. I have. Why? To learn, I, uh, uh, that's actually a, that would be a teacher thing. We can talk about that dish, but most of us don't watch them for that reason. Why are you watching them? <laughs> to make sure they are working. Make sure you're getting your checkbook dollar value. And that's because inherently we know in our culture that people don't value. Will they rip you off if they get a chance? A lot of times they do. All right now I have a contractor friend i won 't tell you who he is because he 's been in this church before, and uh, he has a fee when people come and watch him. I, I kid you not he has a fee like an extra charge if the person he said I, he calls it his social work fee so if he 's doing repairs and uh, he's having to uh, you know be in a counseling session there's an extra charge for that, but uh, generally and he does do his work but Generally speaking, we like to see that work being done. So we're going to use this as a way to recalibrate our attitude toward work. We're moving into Genesis 2. We're going to look at 8 through 16. I'm not going to read every single piece of this, but we'll start it off. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of that ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye, trees that were good for food, in the middle of the garden were the trees of life and the trees of knowledge and good and evil. You can read the rest about the four rivers from Bashan and the beautiful gold that took place and what he expected them to do. We're going to skip on down a little bit. the, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And to care for it and the lord god commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in this garden so this lesson really comes from three trees we're going to look at real quick the first one is in verse three Um, adam might have seen the trees and he he may have well seen some trees that did not have fruits on them he was told that he could eat what off trees he could eat the fruit But there were probably trees, in fact, I guarantee you there were, that did not have fruit. But Adam may have looked at those and wondered, what are those for, God? And he may have even asked God, because we knew that he walked with God in the evening. What are those for? Why is that grove there? Why is this one tall and that one short? Some of them were pleasing to do what with? To look at. Which means that they were beautiful. Aesthetics is important in our work. We work to reproduce and enhance that beauty in our work. And some of you, I'm very very thankful that you do. Um, I I know Tim works on things that he can't even discuss with us out loud. And I'm thankful for his beauty that he builds in metal parts that float in the middle of oceans, that protect us. He works for a nuclear power plant that makes parts for subs all right i'm thankful that he does that with beauty and that it's not sloppy i mentioned paul a minute ago i've never ridden in any of the jets that his company repairs not one but i'm thankful that somebody knows how to make the landing gear work correctly that's beautiful somebody better know where to grease it correctly and where to put a proper o-ring and how much torque to lay down on a nut or a bolt and where this wire goes or that or what happens you've destroyed life we are image bearers I'm thankful and I'm just mentioning people that I know out loud I'm thankful that skip knows exactly where to sign on the dotted line on a stack of papers that's probably three inches tall when you close your home what if one of those is wrong is that gonna be expensive is it is it get, if you mess up and somebody doesn't sign properly, does that delay the process? It does. It's beautiful when it's right. It's beautiful when it's in order, when it's organized. Let's take Roger. I know Roger for years laid down block and brick. He's told us, he told us many stories and he's now contracted it to moving into carpentry. I'm thankful that the man knows how to pull a string line and lay it straight. What happens if it doesn't? Roger.
1: They collapse like what Larry showed us with the deck.
0: You got a problem. Somebody better know how to lay those redhead bolts in, so that we don't endanger image bearers. Image bearers are not just people who are Christians. Image bearers are who? Everybody, Everybody that has life. That's all of us. So we work to reproduce and enhance that beauty that God has in creation. This is kind of a dividing line between cultures. Some of us are real pragmatic. So if we're trying to get from one side of a bank to another, we're trying to cross a gorge or a river, maybe you want to just take a tree and saw it down and let it land from one side to the other and hope that you can get across. Maybe it'll last a week or a month. Maybe people will fall off of it. Others may want to build a beautiful edifice. That lasts for years and years. That protects life. I like to think of that walking bridge that crosses Ward's Road. You guys know what I'm talking about from the Sam's Club? I, I don't know if you think that's beautiful or not. I do. I think it's beautiful to see that he post construction that arches perfectly to protect the walkers to get across. Now, I, this one is more intimate for me because, and I haven't hit anybody. Praise the Lord. But I have seen people almost get hit. Kids crossing Wards Road to get to Walmart and Sam's Club. How mm-hmm. I many I mean, you don't know talk about? Yeah. You, you may have been in that situation where there are some near misses. Are we protecting life with that beautiful structure? Yeah. How long would you expect that walking bridge to last? You know what I'm talking about. Five years? Mm-hmm. Ten? Fifty? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's maintained and protected properly, I suspect it probably lasts 100 or 150 years. I don't know. But to me, it's beautiful. Let's think about that illustration, that bridge, as we advance a little farther. So utility and function are fine for some cultures, but others require that it's a beautiful structure. So in your first piece here, beauty is what I want you to think about in your work. And it doesn't matter what that work is, children are elderly. Male or female, young or old, doesn't matter. So we use that as a measure of architectural that's going to be reflecting the glory of God in nature. And our work should mirror the beauty of that creation. I want you to think about this real quick in our maintenance. Um, I am not a gardener, but I do like to have a halfway decent, at least the front yard. Now, my backyard is full of clover and weeds. Can anybody else say amen? I got one of those, unless you're in Tim Fakes's backyard. Is yes, this beautiful? It is, Tim. Stop lying and be modest here. All right. But for the rest of us, it's full of clover and weeds. If I do nothing to my yard for the next six months, what do you expect my backyard to look like? Front yard. My front yard, right? It's going to be a forest. There will be wild animals, there will be weeds. There will be trees that are starting to sprout up there and things that I don't want. All right. But the beautification is a reflection of the image bearer. We are trying to overcome the fall when we express beauty in our work. That doesn't matter what it is, again. You could be counseling someone. By the way, uh, Dane, can you counsel someone improperly? Can that cause damage? Definitely. Absolutely. So the beauty is in the expertise that you are displaying on the earth. You're crafting beauty. You're organizing. You're ordering. You're showing excellence. You're improving. All these are signs of beauty that God has put into his creation, and it is imprinted on our DNA. That's the first one. Number two. It probably would not have taken long for Adam to figure out. If I don't take care of that tree, it's probably going to be a mess. Because I eat off of that one, that one, and this one that's a mile down the road here. Maybe he liked and started to show preference for those trees. So some of those trees were very good. And I'm thankful for all the kinds of restaurants we have in Lynchburg. But do I eat at all of them? Yes or no? No way. There's some taste that I just don't care for. But we have thousands of taste buds on our tongue. And the combinations are endless. God did not say that the fruit trees were just edible. What did he say about them? He said they were, they were what? They were good. That just did not resonate with nutritional value alone. They weren't just edible. They weren't just maintenance. Now, we need them for maintenance, but they were good. They were tasty. Um, I don't eat kiwi, but I like how it feels in my mouth. It has nothing to do with whether it's good for me or not. It kind of, if you eat kiwi, it kind of feels like you got a, you know, a mouthful of snot. I kind of like that little feeling. I don't know why. It's just good. I like papaya. I don't get them very often. They have a very different taste than an apple or a banana. They're good. So the goodness of our work is more than just the utility. These trees were a whole lot more than just for a function, and so should our work. Because of of the fall, some of us deny those good pleasures. We think that Oh, the, the godliness is, is a reflection of denying pleasure. I'm going to argue that's a no-no. Now, do we abuse pleasure? Absolutely. Every good and get a perfect gift, we talked about this at the beginning, it comes from where? It comes from God. Things that, uh, th- uh, excuse me, things with goodness are cultivated so that they continue to enjoy them for a long time. It's biblical to pay attention to goodness. To do the right things. To respect the creation and to protect the image bearers along the way so we've got two things so far we've got the beauty in our work we've got the goodness of our work those are the first two trees and the third one here somebody watch me on time I don't want it is it's time right. the third one is the tree of life and these trees are where we get our morals and our values These trees symbolize what is right and what is wrong in our work. So we've got three pieces of the puzzle here. These trees reflect for us what is beautiful, what is good, and what is right. And those three pieces should be our daily sphere for the things that we work. Now we started with trees in the garden, and we also... And with trees in Revelation. Uh, there were trees at the beginning, there'll be trees at the end. Revelation, I'll read you this real quick, uh, we'll have somebody else find it. Revelation 22, then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are the healing of the nations. So we begin with the tree. We've got tree and redemption and we see trees at the end. They are a reflection of our work. Now if we go on down the bottom, uh, and some of you are at the bottom already, that's fine. There's no way we'll get here because we're done. Has culture Abuse our notion for work. Do we overdo it? Have we overdone it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As we're exiting, I just want to call your attention. I'm not going to go through all these, they are typical Baptist alliterations. All right? If we want to match the pace of Jesus, which is what the reflection is for the follow of Christ, there's a bunch of S words down at the very bottom that I'll call your attention to to maybe look at later. Look at Sabbath, where we're practicing the the discipline of doing six on and one off. Subtract, where we're looking at getting all the extras out of our schedule. Survey, where we distill down what's the most important thing. Slow down. Slow down. That one was important for Mr. Kirk in the last year. Slow down. You're moving way too fast. Silence, one thing we don't practice very much of in this culture. And when as soon as, as, soon as, we, as dinner bell rings, that phone will go off. I guarantee it. And simplify, getting rid of all the extra clutter that you don't need. I'm going to end with this, and we're going to close. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. This is about our work. Jesus said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. Lord, let the Matthew 11, 28 through 30 sink in for everybody from this speaker to the youngest man and, or youngest boy and girl in this room. That your burden is easy and light, and yet we take <coughs> on burdens that, that are way more than you'd ask us to do. Call us to rest and work properly by your model. This week,
1: in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.